All right, now we've got Al on the phone. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all having a beautiful day. It is really gorgeous. It huh? is a it's a swell day out there. Yeah, I just I was outside fooling with a jelly feeder for the Orioles, and we have white clover growing everywhere in our lawn. Dutch clover, and it is. It's just a. I like the plant a lot. I like it better than grass, and it adjusts when you mow it, so that the, it'll flower on shorter stems. So if you don't mow it, it it'll flower on taller stems. And not long ago, maybe even into the 50s, this was considered a standard of excellence in lawn care. Was to have white clover. The clover grows quickly. It's a fertilizer factory, a nitrogen-fixing plant that improves the fertility and health of the soil. Bees use it as a nectar source. Rabbits and deer eat it. It's immune to those brown patches caused by dog urine. It outcompetes other weeds. It remains green in hot weather. What's not to like about it? Well, there's, I guess it has a couple of problems. It's not durable in high traffic areas. So if you have kids playing ball in the backyard or something, they'll wear it out pretty quickly. And it can stain clothing. As I learned as a kid, uh, playing baseball, we'd slide and do those things. Because when you're a kid, you have to slide whether you have to or not. And it will stain clothing. But other than that, man, I like Dutch clover. I just think it's the coolest thing. And I'm walking along talking to a rabbit because that's <laughs> what I do is talk to rabbits. And uh, I have this rabbit that uh, the other day it ran right up to me like a like I was going to feed it or something. But I'm walking along and the rabbit would stop to eat that Dutch clover. And it was just a, it was a happy moment. Uh, young birds in my yard have made uh, ubiquitous an understatement. They're just everywhere. <clears throat> and we hear less singing by the adults now. It's just, there's no reason. We get to kind of mid-July, and, uh, boy, they're worn out from raising the babies, and they really don't have a territory maybe to protect anymore, so they just stop singing. But I listened to a red-eyed vireo, and Theodore Rethke wrote, Deep in the greens of summer sing the lives I've come to love. A vireo wets its bill. The great day balances upon the leaves. My ears can hear the bird when all is still. And so there's still some singing out there, but it it is hard to hear them unless all is still. Uh, our world gets kind of noisy sometimes, and I'm guilty of that. I walk with... Uh, Oh, headphones on once in a while. Not really headphones, but those little earbud things because there's something I I need to listen to. Actually, it's something I want to listen to. I just tell myself it's something I need to. Uh, Joan Anderson sent my wife a photo. Uh, Joan is from Albert Lee. A photo of six turkey vultures on the roof of her home. Uh, she lives near a lake. And I'm assuming there were dead carp or something in the area. Alan Stankovitz. Uh, Alan is over by Houston, Houston, Minnesota. He said, for two years in a row, no Phoebes. Usually we have two nests, but after another late spring snow, uh, 
and cold spell, they've disappeared again. They abandoned their nests and left, and they will do that. I notice tree swallows are good at doing that. Uh, I shouldn't say good at doing that, but they are willing to do that. If there's no flying insects, the uh, adults will abandon the nest because uh, nature has told them that they need to survive. If they don't survive, there's no hope for the young or the eggs, so they will leave. Jan Wicklund, it's kind of a uh, theme here, said, no bluebirds, phoebes, or song sparrows in her yard this year. And I have no song sparrows. First time in my life I can remember not having a song sparrow in my yard and had them here early, but uh, none of them stayed, so I don't know. We lost some trees and uh, some other things. Uh, They wouldn't be nesting high in the trees or anything, but maybe it changed the landscape just enough that they said uh, we need to check out another place. Or maybe that that family... Uh, great, 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 great. I don't know how many greats in there, grandpa and grandma and all their descendants. Uh, they ran out of them somewhere along the line. Charlene Nelson said, uh, this is definitely a theme. I have no chickadees in my yard. If you could send a chickadee my way, please. We lost our chickadees this winter. And uh, we will do, Charlene. I'll, I'll need your... Uh, I'll need your mailing address because UPS will will not deliver it otherwise. So, uh, Susan Kennedy said a few weeks ago the usual wrens in my backyard fledged. One of the fledglings was so fat it got stuck in the tiny house <laughs> opening for about 20 seconds until it wiggled out. Several other siblings didn't get stuck. Maybe all the rain has produced such a crop of bugs that this one overate. Paul Peters of Ceylon said he heard the first cicada on July 18th, and I think it was, uh, I know definitely here in our yard, it was a little late. Now I'm hearing them pretty regularly, but they were a little late this year, because it's been an odd year, but then every year's an odd year. Uh, Millie Wesson of Hayward said she had only 18 purple martin nests this year, but just as many babies as other years. She had 84 babies. The highest she's ever had were 40 nests. And she saw two trumpeter swans with their baby south of Hayward, and they're called cygnets. Uh, Steve, uh, no last name, said, due to the population explosion of raccoons, I've taken my black oil sunflower feeders down for the first time since moving here 30 years ago. The young raccoons are following and learning from mom. I've been unable to deter the nightly bandits from raiding and tearing down my feeders. Even the one protected by a pet-friendly electric fence draws the critters in to glean from the tailings left by the birds. My neighbors are also complaining about the raiders in their cat food, etc. Years ago, I gave up trying to raise sweet corn. Hopefully, a couple of weeks with nothing here to eat will encourage them to move elsewhere. I'm leaving my hummingbird feeders up, but we'll bring them in at night. Yeah, raccoons are, are really good. And if you put out cat food, boy, that's uh, that's like a big neon sign saying, come here and eat. So you will get a lot of those. I, too, uh, stopped raising sweet corn. 
because raccoons. And one year I put a radio out there, ran a long drop cord out there and put on some, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what kind of music I put on there. Because I read somewhere it said, boy, the raccoons will not come if they hear a radio. Well, you know, I think they were dancing to the music. <laughs> they knocked down all the corn. They just, it's surprising they didn't wreck the radio. Yeah, so it, it had no, they, they're really smart and good at what they do. Well, they must have uh, not Gunner, used the right, I was going to say, I think it depends on the music, maybe what you do. Or I've also heard that you should put it on a talk station because then they think there's people around. And I don't know if that's true or not, but we had something coming up on our deck. So I put a radio out in the, the sun porch and it was, I don't it must have been uh, Minnesota Public Radio because that's usually talk and stuff and I don't think it worked but you know <laughs> but at least somebody was entertained I suppose. Do you remember remember when we were on the farm they always used to say cows used to milk better with music as well? Oh yeah, my dad believed that uh he uh, we had different thoughts on what kind of music that made them milk better, but uh, we always had the radio on in the barn and dad uh, Dad certainly believed that. He uh, said, you know, that was during the days when contented cows were often uh, mentioned in ads. Yes. Or was it carnation milk, uh, contented cow? And, uh, well, I'm not sure if that was carnation, but it was, there was a contented cow advertisement anyway. And Dad said, that's what you want are contented cows. And we found that when we were busy with harvest or planting, my mother would milk the cows and they did better. They did so much better. They they milked, gave more milk, and I think they were happier and more contented with my mother. I think she was just more... Gentle, probably? Yell. Yeah, she's probably yeah. more gentle. Maybe she had a softer touch, too, because cows, you know, oh, they have feelings, you know, too, so... <laughs> oh, they're, they're wonderful creatures, and but, the, you know, the... The guys, we just yelled more, uh, not necessarily at the cows. You just yelled about everything and grumped around. And Mom was so nice, but she did not want that job full-time. So she was more than willing to do it um, at certain times of the year. Uh, Gunnar Berg of Albert Lee said a barred owl in his yard answered the tornado siren. So the tornado siren was going off, and this got the barred owl all worked up. And he said, the pitch was right on E-flat. And he sent me a picture of one of the owlets, and he said he called an owlet because he could not determine whether it was a fledgling, immature, or juvenile, or kid bird. And, yeah, you know, folks ask me that every so often. And I say, you know, if, if you're in doubt, just use immature for any bird that's not an adult. Uh, juvenile is more specific. That describes a bird still in its juvenile plumage, and that plumage is held only briefly for many songbirds, maybe a few weeks after leaving the nest or up to a year in some larger birds like hawks. And once a bird is molted out of this plumage, it's no longer a juvenile. And if you can't determine this but know that the bird isn't adult, just call it an immature. <laughs> uh, Pam Martin of Great Bend, Kansas, told me that when she was a girl, her cousin had a pet crow that mimicked the sounds of human sneezes and ringing telephones. And it was so good it fooled the family's telephone-hating dog into barking. Uh, talked to a friend, Ken Abraham. Ken is originally from uh, New Richland, 
uh, Minnesota, and uh, folks have any familiar familiarity there will remember Abraham's Grocery Store, which was a staple of downtown New Richland for a long, long time. Ken is now retired from Ontario's Ministry of Natural Resources, so uh, still lives in Ontario. Told me of his visit to Portugal. I believe he went to Lisbon with his family. He said there were legions of high-flying, swooping, acrobatic birds with boomerang-shaped wings that spend most of their lives in the air. He saw four species of swifts there, pallid, alpine, white-rumped, and common. And I asked if he'd seen Taylor Swift, but uh, apparently not. That wasn't one of the species. Uh, a nice listener says, Al, which is the better of the two seeds to feed birds, uh, milo or millet? And I'm sure the listener is just asking of those two, uh, like black oil sunflower seeds is the best overall. But if we're just going to say we go into a store and they say, look, we got milo, we got millet, you take one. Milo is those large reddish round seeds also called sorghum so they're kind of look like bb's and because it's large and bulky it's less expensive than most other types of bird seeds so you'll see them in a lot of mixes because they just take up space but it's less appealing to most bird species very few birds eat milo Uh, quail doves cowbirds Wild turkeys, pheasants, those would be the ones that would eat it. On the Cornell Lab of Ornithology seed preference tests, western United States ground-feeding birds, such as Stellar's jays, curbill thrashers, and gambles quail, actually preferred milo over sunflower. But we have none of those three here. So uh, white millet is a favorite with ground-feeding birds, including quail, Native American sparrows, doves, towhees, juncos, and cardinals. And I actually, when we get all, uh, during the migration, we get all the native um, sparrows. I feed uh, millet. I put out millet for them because I I just like having them around. It's also a favorite of cowbirds, blackbirds, and house sparrows. So that might be something that people want to take into account as well. Red millet, it is shunned by most birds, and it goes right directly to waste. So of those, you milo is not very good. Red millet is terrible. White millet's pretty good. Hmm. Uh, somebody asked, and as a gardener, you probably, what is a ditch lily? And, uh, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's Hemerocallus fulva is the name of it. Hmm. It's the orange day lily. Uh, lawn day lily, tiger day lily, fulvus day lily, railroad day lily, because it grows along railroad tracks sometimes, roadside day lily, where it grows everywhere, outhouse lily, which, oh man. <laughs> you always saw what them around, name. you did always see them around outhouses, I think back, you know, when the, the farm, when we had neighbors that still had outhouses, and sure enough, you'd always find them there, and we had them all along our machine shed. I didn't realize they were ditch lilies at the time, but they weren't anything special. But they um, they always had color and they always grew. So that was one thing that they were, uh, you knew they were very hardy for our area. And another one that uh, from way back was wash house lily. And uh, but all my life I've known them as 
ditch lily, and it's a species of a day lily mm-hmm. that is native to Asia. And as you drive along, folks, you will see them. They are orange, and they have red streaks if you get close to them, and they turn to yellow at the throat, and they bloom from June, August is when they're blooming. And I like them. A lot of people do not like them because it's not a native plant. And But, you know, you're driving down the road sometimes. It's just it's nice to see something really pretty in the ditches. And uh, I don't think there is... I don't think they're as bad as a lot of other plants, like wild parsnip. Right. But they are considered uh, that, invasive, though, because they were, uh, yeah, so they are an invasive species because they are very, very aggressive and they're hard to get rid of. So, you know, if you don't mind a little color, I guess it's okay, but they aren't, like you said, harmful like some of those other plants, like the wild parsnips that are going to kill you or hurt you or something. Right, and a lot of us uh, farm folks help them get on their way because we're always looking for things to pretty up the yard. And here you have a free plant growing down the <laughs> ditch, so uh, we dig them up and take them into the yard or try to grow them. And they grow, so uh, a lot of yards will have them. I, I'm seeing a lot of wild parsnip. Uh, it's a, a non-native noxious weed. And a noxious weed is one that the Commissioner of Agriculture has designated as injurious to public health, the environment, public roads, crops, livestock, or other property. And these guys are, they're not even, you know, there's a beauty to everything, but they aren't the most beautiful. You don't see them growing and saying, oh, wow, that is incredibly beautiful. It's uh, The plant is typically a biennial. It's three to five feet tall. It has alternate compound leaves. The leaflets are shiny. They're oblong, coarsely toothed, and they're either kind of a mitten shape or diamond shape. But they get these uh, yellow flower umbels develop from June to late summer, and wild parsnip occurs in sunny areas with varying degrees of soil moisture and is found in ditches and uncultivated landscapes. And severe sunburn photosensitivity occurs when sap contacts human skin in the presence of sunlight. If so, if you're sweating, you can touch these things and bad things happen. It can cause a rash that could lead to blisters and discoloration of the skin, which I believe is what phytophotodermatitis. And you can battle wild parsnip by mowing it or cutting the base of the flowering stem and removing before the seeds set. So it's, uh, it, and there's, they've been around for a long time. I think uh, Wisconsin has records back into the 1880s or something like this, but they're just, they're getting more of them each and every year. Uh, How many pines are there in Minnesota? And I'm thinking probably one species, not total numbers, because I probably haven't counted the the (laughs) trees, but the native pines are eastern white pine, jack pine, red pine, which is also called Norway pine, and then uh, porcupine, those would be the ones that we'd see in Minnesota. Uh, 
Pelican Breeze, one more mention on that. Uh, please join me as I host cruises, or a cruise on Albert Lee Lake on the prepossessing Pelican Breeze boarding at Frank Hall Park Boat Landing in lovely Albert Lee. The cruise is at 1.30 on July 28th. And for more information, it's a 507 number, 383-7273, 383-7273. Also, please join me on August 17th for the Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah. If you've not been to this, Henderson is just a, a, a beautiful town. And they have this wonderful hummingbird garden, and they'll be having all kinds of... Uh, great things going on and that is august 17th and uh, i will be speaking there in the afternoon but uh, boy please come and take the day bring your cell phone you can get right up to these uh, hummingbirds at feeders and take a nice photo of a hummingbird with your cell phone which is an incredible thing so uh they it's the, the folks in Henderson have just done a wonderful, wonderful job. And uh, I remember, oh, boy, I was out in a boat one time this summer, and a kid asked, can birds fly upside down? And I said, hummingbirds can, and they can for short periods. Uh, other species do during conflicts and while courting, but hummingbirds are the ones that are, are pretty good at doing that. So it's, it's great that we have these wonderful things. I hope... Uh, Hope the weather behaves for Henderson so some of the roads stay open. They have had a, a tough time this this year with the road closures, just one after another over there. So it must. I, I'm hoping it's got all that out of its system. I hope uh, the weather has gotten. Oh, you know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It should never be allowed to get 90 degrees in Minnesota because <laughs> nothing agree. good ever happens. It just it always drags in bad weather. If it could just get 90 degrees, hot and humid and miserable, you can put up with that. But it always drags in some bad weather. Every time you talk to somebody about a terrible storm, they always said, oh, it was a hot day. It was 90, mm-hmm. and then it chilled and it got cool, and then something terrible terrible happens so we just we we shouldn't have 90 degrees say al i just uh, got a, a text from our friend john in new Ulm. he says why did the dolphin cross the beach oh to show the whale it could be done to i don't know why to get to the other tide Oh, the other tide. Uh-huh. As soon as you said to get i thought to the other tide okay it was too late I didn't hit the buzzer either. Eh. Well, last night he said he heard, uh, uh, he said, last night heard a bald eagle that had a rabbit with a small fox with it. The fox is okay. It fell 20 feet. Wow. Oh. So I guess, yeah. I mean, so what's the deal? Do they grab them and they're still alive and they can wiggle loose? They don't, do they kill them later? Or how does that work? I watched a... um a hawk, a red-tailed hawk, swoop down and grab a gray squirrel, and then they're flying away. And a lot of times they'll try to break the spine somehow. But I could see, I had my binoculars, and I looked up, and the squirrel turned around and bit the hawk in the leg. And the hawk let go, and the squirrel fell. I... I wish I was better at estimating heights. 
it fell a long ways and kind of bounced a little bit on the ground. So I walked over because I thought, boy, there's a gone squirrel. And I walked over just in time to see it running up oh. a cottonwood tree. So how it did afterwards, but what a story that squirrel had to tell about a, uh, an abduction by an alien and uh, survived. So yeah, sometimes that happens, and uh, just and I saw a little kestrel hauling a small snake away, and you could tell the snake was still kind of with it because it was trying to wrap around the tail or the feet a little bit of the kestrel. So. It's um, it is a jungle out there. I while well, I mentioned the hummingbirds, I, I do want to say uh, please do not use honey. I love honey. Do not use hummingbird feeders with honey in them. You should use table sugar rather than honey to make the nectar because when honey is diluted with water, bacteria and fungus thrive in it. Oh. Normal mixtures: one quarter cup of sugar per cup of water, and in uh, cold, rainier, foggy conditions, okay to make it maybe a third of a cup of sugar per cup of water. Concentrations of sugars in natural nectars vary within the range. So if you mix small quantities of sugar water every day or two, there's no need to even boil the water. If you mix up a larger batch and refrigerate it for later use, it's wise to make the mixture with boiling water. I hope everyone will make it to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always the Heimlich Maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. Uh, three things plus one, and I always say, I believe there's a, a power of three. It goes for everything. If you're making a speech, if you make three points, that's kind of the limit of our uh, paying attention ability. So I have three things plus one. I've raised okra. It produces like zucchini. I enjoy it deep fried. Oh, it's powerful good. A friend told me that the best way to eat okra is with more okra. Is it getting windier, or are there more wind chimes? And I know I've always said, well, these wind turbines are producing wind. That's why it's windier. It's hard to be anything but humble as a man. My swatter and I are regularly outsmarted by flies. And remember, friends and loved ones who are otherwise honest to a fault will steal your french fries <laughs> remember folks heartland is while we're driving past thanks for listening uh, do something wild today get out there and look at a bird thank you karen as always for your exquisite company and thank you al enjoy this week outside i think it's going to be a nice one it's a beauty